All right, I encourage you to grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in the seat in front of you on that little rack below your seat. Uh, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Pastor Scripture is also in your bulletin and it will be on the screen. Uh, or if you use iPad, iPhone, whatever, just, just find the bad boy. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be primarily looking at verses uh, 6 through 7. But I'm going to go ahead and just read uh, starting in verse 4. So hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. That's a good word for 2019, isn't it? Some translations say don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, once again, at the start of a new year, we come to you saying the same thing that we say every Sunday. And the reason why we do that is because we need your help. God, we cannot understand your word without your spirit's help. And so we ask and invite him in to show us, help us understand what is here, and more importantly, by your grace, to do what you have said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here's uh, kind of my end goal today. Here's what I, I want to happen as a result of us being together. I want you to pray. That's it. I, I want you to pray. And so if you're here and, and you've never prayed, which would be kind of a shock a little bit because I think prayer is kind of a universal reality. Wherever we go, we, someone's praying, right? You just, it's, it's, it's just present. It's just there. But if you are here and you've never prayed, then my desire for you this morning as a result of what you hear here, not my words but the words of God, is that you would leave here and start praying. If you're here today and you used to pray but you stopped, then my desire for you this morning is that you would restart. Prayer is kind of like exercise, isn't it? It's a thousand restarts. Amen? And maybe that's you. Maybe something's happened in your life, something is discouraging, maybe something didn't pan out, and you just stopped. Well, my desire for you this morning is that you would restart and that you would pray. Maybe you're here and, and you would just say, man, my, my, my prayer life has been really rich over the last several months, maybe even the last several years. It's been, man, just the Lord's been very gracious and kind to me. And my desire for you then is this, is to celebrate the grace of God that's been at work in your life. And may God continue to do that. May this sermon and may the words that we talk about this morning spur you on to continue to have a life of prayer. But my end goal is that I just want you to pray. Now look, I... I get it. There, there is a, um, there, there's usually three sermons or three topics of sermons that, rec- that cause a lot of mixed emotions and I get weird responses and, and I can feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, 
And not only do I see things from here, I, I, I do feel things from you. I see when you fall asleep, and, and I feel when you get a little uneasy. I, I, I get it, and so it's, I'm not, not taking personally. I know it's, it's hard to listen to me. Uh, so, but here are the three. All right, the one is this. Anytime I talk about money, everybody gets their underwear in a wad. Amen? Like, we just get all weird, and it's just strange. And, I, you know, sometimes I get frustrated about it, but it's just reality. Whenever I talk about money, I get all kinds of weird vibes from you guys. Like, ah! Here he goes, going, yeah, well, I'm going to because we live in a consumerist society and we worship our money and you're miserable and here's how you get unmiserable and start giving it away. Amen, there you go. There's my little two-minute spill on money. The second one is when we talk about witness, when we just talk about sharing the gospel, when we talk about our friends who don't know Jesus and God's empowered us and called us to go and talk to them about that. Man, we get a little weird about that. We get strange. It's like, ah, I don't know about that. And the third one is prayer. I think what I feel from prayer a lot is anytime I, I say, hey, we're going to talk about prayer, here's kind of the posture. Because we feel a lot of guilt. We feel like, hey, I'm not doing that well. Like I've never met anyone, never met anyone who said, man, I'm just awesome at prayer. I'm killing it. No one. Prayer is, is hard. It's difficult at times. Sometimes it's really boring. Right? Prayer is um, a mystery. If that kind of bothers you saying that, we can have conversation later, but it is. There's a mystery to it. I mean, there's been times when I've, I've prayed for some of the most trite things, and I get an immediate answer. Right? Have you ever had that happen? You pray for like a... Like it's raining. It's like, God, if you give me a front spot and you know, I can get in there without getting soaked, God, give me a front parking space. And then you just pull in. It's right there. It's like, holy cow, that's amazing, right? And then you start thinking, so what, if I hadn't have prayed for that, would it still happen? Like what is, right? It's, it's, it's a mystery. And then there's things that you feel like are really weighty and you feel like God really cares about. And you pray for years. Nothing. So, yeah, it, there's a lot of responses, a lot of mixed emotions here. It's hard. There's a mystery to it. You come to a passage of Scripture like this that Paul lays before us, and you just feel like it's way overly optimistic, right? It's gone. Man, if there's any place where a passage feels like a Hallmark card, it's right here. It's like, I thought you said the Bible deals in reality. This feels very Hallmarky, right? It just, it does. It feels unrealistic. It might be in a passage that... When you first became a Christian, if someone said, hey, man, you need to memorize this. You need to kind of get this there because you need to start conversating with God and praying to him. Maybe you went to a Christian bookstore and you saw this on a coffee mug. said, oh, I like that. I want to make that my life verse. And then, right, a few years down the road or even a few weeks, it ain't take a few years. A few weeks and you're going, man, I suck at this verse, right? Sorry about the word suck, but that's truth, isn't it? You're going, oh, my goodness, I'm way better at worry than I am praying. Amen? I'm a whole lot better at being anxious. I'm really bad at praying. So it's interesting, a verse that's to be used to encourage us to pray can actually become something that discourages us, right? Almost feels impossible. So with that in mind, then how do we... How do we move forward? Like my end goal is what? I want you to do what? What do I want you to do? Say it out loud. 
I want you to pray. So I think there's a couple observations here, and hopefully these observations will help us move forward in the area of praying this year. And if you are praying, continue to help you pray. So the first observation here that we see in this passage, and I know it's a no-brainer, I mean, it's the obvious one, but I just want to state the obvious, and that is this. Paul is inviting us to pray. And not just to pray, but to pray what you got. Now, what in the world do you mean by that, Lyle? Well, look at verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, or but, in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, don't get lost in all the different nuances of, of what this, this one ideal of praying. He uses different words. He uses, you know, through prayer, petition, you know, present your request. All of those are, are separate and different words within the original language, but they're all getting after one idea, and that is to pray. Paul is inviting us and saying, look, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Instead, allow worry and anxiety to be a trigger or a prompting to do what? To pray. And not just to pray, to, to pray in everything. Or another way of saying that, pray what you got. I know if you're an English person in here, you're supposed to say have, right? I get that. But I'm trying to make a point here, all right? Trying to get it to etch in your mind. So Paul is not just inviting us to pray. He's inviting us to pray in everything, which simply means pray what you got. So what in the world are you talking about, Lyle? What do you mean pray what you got? Well, what do you got? Whenever I say that, what's the first thing the Spirit of God brings to your mind? Are you frustrated right now? Pray your frustrations. Are you angry right now? Pray your anger. Are you hurt right now? Pray your hurt. If you're dreading going back to school tomorrow morning, amen, right? No, maybe not. Maybe you're excited about going back to school. I don't know. But pray your dread, right? School can bring a lot of anxiety. Pray that anxiety. Pray what you got. Look, guys, I, I know, man, I know there's, there's <laughs> this seems overly simplistic. I, I get that. And then the reality is I think Paul is being overly simplistic here. But here's what I want to say, and I want to suggest to you, how many of us do that? How many of us, that's the first thing that we do when we have a circumstance or an emotion or a struggle or a difficulty. Do we pray that first, or do we go and talk about it with everyone else? If we're going to make any movement forward, if we're going to really learn how to pray, if we're going to become a people who pray, listen to me. you got to pray what you got. Some of you in this room may, may think, okay, ah, got a little objection to that. If I really pray what I got, man, I might be struck dead. Right? <laughs> like, I don't know if I, I mean, I might be a little irreverent. If I'm not struck dead, maybe I'm going to have a bad day. <laughs> That's right. If I really come into the presence of God and pray what I got, I'm not sure what kind of response I'll get back from the Father. Well, let's take your objection and kind of, you know, measure it up to some of the characters in the Bible. Just three. Moses. So Moses, at one time, right, God was ticked off at the people of God, the nation of Israel. They had sinned against him. He was angry. He was getting ready to wipe them out. He said, Moses, I'm going to build you up a new nation, right? Let's get rid of these 
you know, morons, build you a whole new people. And that's not exactly what God said, but in essence, it's kind of what he's saying. And then what happened? I mean, the most mysterious part about praying, Moses comes and intercedes on behalf of the people, right, which is kind of a picture forward to Jesus Christ, but that's another sermon in itself. But just kind of taking the, the passage itself, he intercedes for the people of God, and it seems from the text that God changes his mind. I know there's all kinds of theological things we can say to, to make that feel a little bit better, but the reality is let the text say what the text says. Moses interceded for the people of God, God's children, and God changed his mind as a response to what Moses prayed. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Another time, Moses cries out and says, God, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. Will you show me your glory? I mean, those are some, I mean, you know, I keep saying beautiful, beautiful prayers there, interceding for the people of God. God changes his mind, saves them, and then he's crying out for, for God to show him his glory, to see his face. And then in Numbers chapter 11, we read this. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. And the reason why they're weeping is they're complaining about the food. Right? That's context here, just like we always do. We complain about food. Amen? A lot of us do. Uh, maybe one or two or three of us here, right? And what was going on? The Lord was very angry. And guess what? So was Moses. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord. So then Moses prayed. That's what he did. Listen to what he prayed. Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me, and why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so you should tell me, carry them at your breast as many nanny carries the baby to the land that you swore to give their fathers? I know I'm being a little sarcastic, but I think Moses is being sarcastic here. Verse 15, if you're going to treat me like this, then please kill me right now. <laughs> if I found favor with you... Don't let me see my misery anymore. What's Moses doing? He's praying what he's got. He's praying what he's got. God rescues people. Don't send your wrath. Beautiful prayer. God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your face. God, kill me. He's praying what he's got. What about David? You go look at the Psalms and David, and you'll see several of his prayers. One of them, uh, he says, you know, I, I, I desire one thing, Lord, and that is to be in the presence of you. I desire one thing, Lord, and I want to be in the house of the Lord. Beautiful prayer. Amazing prayer. I want to be in your house. I want to experience your presence in a real tangible way. That's my one desire. And then you read in other places, God, take the heads of my enemies and smash them against rocks. I don't think I've ever prayed that. <laughs> right? What's David doing? He's praying what he's got. We're going to learn to pray and pray in everything. You pray what you got. And sometimes it'll be really beautiful and sometimes it's going to be really messy. What about Jesus? Oh, no, not the Son of God, right? <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Well, in the Garden of Eden, and he's crying out. He's praying so much that he's sweating blood. Asking God to remove this cup. And at the end of that prayer, what's he say? But not my will, 
Not my desires, your desires. And then later on, he's on the cross, and what is he doing? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's Jesus doing? He's praying what he's got. He's praying what he's got. One writer defines prayer like this, lifting mind and heart to God. And that means this, lifting up at any given moment exactly what is there, not what ideally might be there, but what is there. Pray what you got. C.S. Lewis says it like this, what must, what, what must learn to lay before, we must learn to lay before him what is in us, what is in us, not just what ought to be in us. Pray what you got. Jesus tells a story of, of two men who go to church. One's a religious leader and the other one's a tax collector. Religious leader gets in church, kind of comes to the front, so to speak, and, you know, kind of raises his hand and his head possibly up to heaven and says, oh, God, I'm just so thankful that I'm not a sinner, that I'm holy, and, and I read my Bible all the time, and I'm always at church. I don't use foul language. I don't fast, and... Gosh, I'm just so thankful for how holy I am. And he points out the tax collector that's over in a corner, his head bowed, beating his chest, and crying out for mercy because he's a sinner. And Jesus says to his disciples, that tax collector gets it. What's he doing? He's praying what he's got. He's a sinner need of mercy. So look, guys, look. The imitation that Paul is given to us here is that we are to pray in everything. And what he means by that is that we pray what you got. So what do you got? What do you got the start of 2019? Is your marriage struggling? Is your relationship going crazy? a child running away, if you hate your job, if you feel like you're lonely with no friends, like what do you got? Pray it. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, pray what you got. And guys, I, look, I, I get it. There's, yeah, that's not the only thing in prayer I get. There's more to prayer than that totally understand but here's my desire today what's my desire I want you to pray and for some of you you haven't prayed in years and I want you to restart and this is what I'm saying the way we start and the way we restart and the way we continue is we pray what we got what do you got pray it bring it to him and then the second observation here, and these are connected, all right? This is, this is a conditional promise. It is. So if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Because this is a conditional promise. And here's what I mean by this, guys. Look. Look, we're not trying to earn something from God. We're not trying to gain favor from God. Like, we've got God's favor because if you're a Christian, you're in Christ Jesus. But there are means by which God has established for us to step into if we want to experience that fatherhood. 
We really do. These are means that God gives us. And so if we want the peace of God, which basically means this, this it's an inner sense of contentment. This is a settledness that's only given to you by God that surpasses all understanding. And all Paul means by that is simply this, is that there are circumstances and situations that you go through life that as an outsider looking at you, your life should be a wreck. You should be following apart. You should be absolutely worried and overwhelmed by anxiety. But there's a settledness and a peace that's in your life that just doesn't make sense. Now, please hear me. Paul's not saying this, guys. He's not saying that you need to be detached or you need to kind of like, um, you know, be emotionally detached. So I've, I've seen situations, guys, and like this is not good. I've seen situations where I've talked with people, and they are dealing with a major crisis, but their emotional response to that major crisis does not match. It's like, oh, praise the Lord, my car blew up. Hallelujah. Right? I don't know why I go on a high octave like that. <laughs> Men do this too. I'm not, I'm sorry. That was kind of like, okay, I go deep now, right? But, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's not what Paul is after, and I would argue that's really unhealthy. That's some kind of messed up spirituality that you're dealing with. God's not saying you be all emotional or, or fake something here necessarily, but he is saying that there are circumstances and situations in your life that you can be honest about them, just like Jesus would in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me. He was so, like, so perplexed and anxious about that, he's sweating blood. But then what do you see? Later on, those next few days, man, there's a calmness. There's a peace. There's a settledness. Sometimes you can't explain it, but you can point to it. The best life to give, kind of an example of this, and I've already mentioned it a little bit here, but it is. It's the life of Jesus. Over the next two years, we're going to marinate ourselves in the gospel of Matthew. I'm not going to go through it two years straight. We're going to do it in like four big chunks. Um, and I'm excited about that. If, you know, like if there's one thing I want to do as a church, as long as God has me the pastor here, is I want to make sure we're regularly in the life of Jesus because I think it's just so fascinating. So we're going to be spending some time in the book of Matthew. And what you see with Jesus, and I know he's fully God. I get that. But he was also fully man. And Jesus came on this earth to show us how to live as human beings. And there is a peace and a settledness about Jesus. I mean, I can give you a bunch of examples, but, you know, one we all probably somewhat familiar with. There's a time when the disciples are in a storm out at sea, and they are freaking out. I would be. Now I freak out when we're in a plane. There's a little turbulence. Oh, we're going down. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine being out in an ocean. But what's Jesus doing? Taking a nap. I already mentioned his last days on earth during the crucifixion. Yeah, there was crying out. Yeah, there was pain. And he responded appropriately to that pain. But there's also a calmness and a stillness and a peace, even in his conversation with Pilate there. How? Well, what do you see Jesus doing often? Praying. Praying. So much so that his closest disciples or his followers looked at him and go, wow, I... I don't know what you're doing there. I've never really seen that lived out really well, but I want you to teach me. I want to learn how to pray. I'm seeing something in your life that I want to learn about. 
We need to pray not because God needs us to pray. You understand that? That's an, prayer's an invitation. Yes, God has chosen to use his people to accomplish his means on earth. Yes, he has. But Jesus even said, hey, look, if I want, I want to get something done, I can make these rocks cry out. So we don't need to pray because God needs us to pray, but we pray because if we do not pray, we will never find any steadiness in our lives. We will not have peace. And guys, look, I, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic to the area of anxiety and worry. I get it, guys. I'm not. I get there's all kinds of complexity with that. I'm just trying to say, guys, this is where it starts. And maybe, maybe your unsettledness, your lack of peace could be because you don't pray. Pray what you got. And then the peace of God comes. Pray what you got. And then the peace of God comes. So, to close our time, if I want us to pray, then, then in light of what we've just heard here, I, I, there's two things, guys, we've got to do. All right, and these are done by the grace of God through his empowerment, but you've got to do these two things. You will not pray if you do not do these two things. So if my goal is I want us to pray, then these are the two things you've got to do. One is this, you've got to set a time to pray. You've got to have a regular rhythm in your life where you are going to pray. Yes, there's a place for spontaneity. There's a place for you to be in constant conversation with God. There's a place for you to be aware of his presence at all times where this conversation just kind of continually flows throughout the day. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm all for that. Yes, we need to do that. And at the same time, if we're going to have a sustained life of prayer, then you've got to set a time to do it. A regular rhythm in your life. Because John Chapman says this, pray as you can, not as you can't. So if you can't pray an hour, then don't do it. That's stupid, right? If you can't pray 30 minutes, guess what? Don't do it, right? That's stupid. Why would you do that? But what can you do? How can you pray? Is it five minutes? Start there. I mean, if, if, if you've listened a little bit over the last year and a half, there's been something I've talked about often, and I do that on purpose, right? Because I said we all forget. I forget. I've been saying, like, book in your days. Book in your days with prayer. Start the morning off. And for some of us, that means we've got to get up a little bit early. Start the morning off. For some of us, that may mean I want to be more intentional in my commute. I turn off 84 WHAS and, or whatever you listen to, right? Maybe you need to listen to the traffic report real quick, and then you can turn it off, right? But, okay, that wasn't very funny. So, but, but I'm just saying, like, you have to make some sacrifices in order to squeeze this time in. It isn't like you'll ever come to a place where you'll find it. You just, you make the time. So I'm going to start five minutes, and I'm going to get up five minutes early. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray what I got. What do you got? And at the end of the day, pray. Book in your days. One writer says it like this. 
Prayer needs to be sustained by regular routine rhythm. Refuse to be seduced by any spirituality that does not tell you that because your tiredness will soon enough be your refusal. Prayer cannot always be a high celebration, upbeat with high energy, with constant variety, and with, and with the naive belief that longer is better than shorter. Time and tiredness must, save on particular occasions, be a consideration. Why, Lyle? Why does tired and time have to be a consideration? Because you're a human being. That's why. And you live in a world that's fallen and broken where the current is away from God. And still, sin still remains in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to know what does it mean to be human and pray. And I've got to take this into consideration. Do not punish yourself for glancing at your watch or falling asleep during prayer. You're a human being. The solution to your struggle, boredom, and lack of energy in prayer is rarely more variety and imagination. Look, guys, he's not against variety. He's not against imagination. He's not trying to say anything against anything, doing something new. He's just saying this. For you to have a life of prayer, it has to be regular. You've got to set a time. It's got to be a rhythm. It's got to be a part of your life. And to aid us in that, I've given us a little prayer card. All right? So you got this in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, there's plenty of them out in the Welcome Center. And this is what I'm asking our body to do. All right? No one's going to check up on you on this either. I'm not going to show up. Hey, you doing this? But I'm asking our body to pray on Wednesdays for our church. Every Wednesday for 2019, I'm asking you to pray for our church. And I've given you three things on the back to pray for. Our wider reach, our formation, and our healthy homes. I've given an explanation of what each of those means and why they're important uh, to us as a church and why I feel like we need to spend a year doing this. Every Wednesday, regular rhythm, you're something to pray. This is what we got. This is what we got. Pray this. And then lastly, and then I am, I am done. Set a time, regular rhythm. We show up. We show up. We show up regardless of how we feel. Because there's going to be times when you don't feel like praying. There may be seasons where you don't feel like praying. Look, I, I run. I'm not a runner. People have asked me, are you a runner, Lyle? Nope, I'm not a runner. That's a whole class in and of itself. But I do run. And I, I don't think, I think I'm right here. I, I run about four times a week. And three times, probably more like four times out of four, I don't want to run. I don't feel like it. I don't wake up in the morning going, hallelujah, I get to go run. I just, it's miserable at times. But I do it because I want to be at it for the long haul. I do it because of stress. My body needs it. Listen to me. You need to pray. Prayer is the, the breath of the Christian life. You need to breathe. And so you also need to pray. And there are going to be times when you don't feel like it. So we're going to show up irregardless of how we feel. We're going to show up irregardless that it might be boring. You probably will get bored praying. 
That's going to happen. That's a reality. Look, guys, but it doesn't stop us from showing up and praying. Taking a shower is boring. I mean, there's been a few times when I've taken a shower and going, wow, this is an amazing shower, right? But the most of the time, it's pretty boring. I mean, I, breathing's boring. I've never taken a breath and go, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. That was so exciting. Unless you're breathing in some kind of illegal substance, maybe, right? <laughs> and I know there's some of you thinking, oh, I got a breath for you. Yeah, whatever. But for the most part, breathing's pretty boring, amen? Eating's boring. There's sometimes when it's pretty fantastic. There's sometimes when you're just like, I'm hungry, got to eat something. Peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you can fry it up, butter it up, do whatever you want. It's still peanut butter and jelly, right? So we're going to show up regardless of how we feel. We're going to show up regardless of possibly being boring. And we're going to show up irregardless of how it may feel like nothing's happening. Because Jesus reminded us that when you pray, it's going to feel like nothing's happening. That's why he gave us the parable of the persistent widow. So we're going we're gonna, to, by the grace of God, push beyond this kind of naive thinking about prayer. That prayer is going to be always exciting, amazing. God's going to show up, light's going to come, and you're going to float, Right? That's naive thinking about prayer. It's naive thinking to think that every time you pray, it's going to happen. No. That's not the primary reason why we pray, to get God to do something. Unless it's primarily about him doing something in us, right? That's naive thinking about prayer. And we as a body are going to, by the grace of God, push beyond that. And we're going to show up. And we're going to pray. Set a time. Show up. I close with this poem. I read this in a book about two or three years ago. I didn't like it at first. <laughs> I, I read it again this week, and I still struggle a little bit with it. Um, but I do think it is what Paul's trying to capture here, and I do think there's something for us that will hopefully encourage us to pray. It's called The Difference. It says this, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and grew heavier with each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, he didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day told on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to make time to pray. Let's pray. So in the quiet moment here, before I pray, why don't you just spend a second here and just pray what you got. Was the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind right now? And just spend a few minutes praying that.
God, I just pray and ask that you would help us, Lord, to kind of push beyond all the different struggles that all of us in this room at times have had about prayer and help us to pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.